On this episode of Whack Attack, Kyle Barr from KWB Creative joins us. We're going to talk about his entrepreneurial journey. He walks us through his creative process. You're going to hear about some of his clients that he's worked with, which, by the way, is quite impressive. And we're going to talk a little bit about some content strategies that you can use for video and on social profiles uh, to get you through your entrepreneurial journey or your side hustle that you have coming up. This is not an episode you are going to want to miss. Welcome to the Whack Attack podcast. Today with us, Kyle Barr from KWB Creative. Kyle, how are things? Good. Happy to be here. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, KWB Creative and what you do? Yeah. So we are a full service production company uh, based in Northern California. So essentially our mission is we tell truthful and redemptive stories that move people. So we produce everything from uh, commercials to social media content to uh, photography for different businesses. So Really, if you have a digital content need, like we'll, um, you know, help tell your story. And you specialize in video, correct? That's definitely our main video, service. photography, all that type of stuff. Now, um, we were talking a little bit before the episode got started, and you said you also build sets, amongst other things, right? That was pretty, pretty yeah, impressive so things you do too, as well. Anything that goes in front of the camera, we're responsible for, mm-hmm. in and of itself, right? So, like for example, we did. The project I was telling you about, we worked with a wine company. And so what we did is we they said, hey, we want to build or we want like the set to feel elevated. And so what we did is we you know, hired a set designer, um, collaborated with them on kind of what we wanted, what their mood board was from the client. Um, and then we interpreted all of that and then uh, brought someone in to specifically do that. So I didn't build it myself, but our company was responsible for you everything. You were facilitating and, it. Totally. And as a director and as a cinematographer... Um, that's what we do. Like, is we everything that happens in front of the lens is, is we're responsible for in a way. Nice. So, so before we start getting into the nuts and bolts and all the really cool things you do, I know I, know I threw you a little, you know, a little hook there. Um, tell us about how'd you get started in this? Yeah. So essentially, when I was in high school, um, I took like a filmmaking class, um, and I thought it was super cool. And we like watched you know, a bunch of Alfred Hitchcock movies, like Dial M for Murder and like all this stuff. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And Wait, then, Which part? The being in high school and watching movies for class? or, yeah. or, or <laughs> <laughs> Well, just the idea of like storytelling. Yes. But yes, watching movies in class was like a huge win. Yes. Um, and so, but from there, like I, like I got offered to like, hey, do you want to help with like the senior video? And, and I thought the guy who was making it was like really weird. So I didn't like get involved. I didn't touch a camera at all. And then when I was in college... Sound familiar? <laughs> Sounds just like Wally Curtis and I, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when I was in college, um, one of my roommates, like my junior year, got a GoPro. And I thought it was like the coolest thing. This is like when GoPros like first came out. The and we're like, GoPro. Yeah, it was like maybe generation one, two. And he was like a wild guy. He was from Minnesota. And so he would like jump off cliffs with it. He actually, total side tangent, but like he bought like a little raft off Amazon for like a hundred bucks and like got a motor for it and then would go in like all the rivers and ponds that you're not supposed to have a little raft in and like film it. And I thought it was the coolest thing. Right. So I was like working. A and then they had the waterproof shell and then it'd stick it underwater and you're like, Whoa. I was like, Whoa yeah, gosh, when the GoPros so cool. came out, it was groundbreaking. You know, it was like, I film anything I, I could, I want to do yeah. action wise. It was, it was great. It was wild. Like what you could do with it. Right. And what experience you would ultimately show people is like different than anything that anybody's seen before. I mean, a lot of the content that's on YouTube over the last 10 to 12 years in the action sports or extreme sports. Oh, yeah. GoPro. GoPro. It's I GoPro. Mean, 
any of this mountain bike stuff, any of the racing, mm-hmm. any of the extreme sports, people Most of flying, it's GoPro. It's all GoPro. GoPro became so popular, their brand became a noun. Think about that. It's like Kleenex. Yeah. yeah. Um, essentially, so I had a security job. When that, I was, that, that was really good. That you, Total side note. He had, a, like, Kleenex. Uh, dude, I wouldn't have thought of that on um, three seconds off the spot. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. All right, but continue. Yeah. So another tangent off that, I do think that it's a negative, not a positive. All right. Not every time. Not Enlight- every time. Enlighten us. Well, like, so I, we talked about this in our marketing classes in college. Um, and so this idea that you become so brand associated that it becomes a negative, not a positive. So when people talk about your brand, you're saying, oh, I want a Kleenex, but then they'll go buy some random brand because they don't, they're not associating that directly. Oh. Does that make sense? <laughs> like you've taken over the market yeah. so much that no one really cares. That, people that don't your, know brand your brand becomes the generic product name. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Oh, go get a go get a pro GoPro. Yeah, that one's cheaper. Get that. You know, yeah, it's like it's a Sony really action matter. It's like if somebody exactly. says, "Can I have some Advil?" And they're like, "Oh, I got a random painkiller for you." Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's generic for ibuprofen. Yeah. So it's so, kind of like a negative thing. Anyways. So, continue on. Right. You, you <laughs> GoPro. You get excited. You're into this. You know, get to the point of where do you sort of go? Whoa, maybe I can make a business out of this. Yeah. So essentially, I like started getting a GoPro for my security job, saving up all my money which was like 400 bucks at the time, which is like an insane as a college student. My parents were like, don't do this. And so then I like shot a few videos for my friends that are, were absolutely atrocious. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but but also the quality of, of the recording on the original GoPro is nothing like it is today. Well, just even like the story of it. I mean, everything just sucked, yeah. you know. But yeah. essentially my university was looking for like student workers um, to pay like 15, like minimum wage at the time, you know. And so uh, from there, I like got a job um, and I started learning the basics. And that next summer, I like some people were asking me, hey, can you make a video for my church or like my nonprofit or and I, they're like, yeah, we can give you like some money. And I literally remember like looking at my parents. I'm like, someone wants to give me money to do something that I think is creatively fun. Yeah. And then you went, ha ha, you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best feeling well, in the world. <laughs> not like a, and I, sorry, I didn't mean to frame my parents as like a negative. No, I wasn't saying no, it was no. negative, but you know, we, we were told to say a similar thing. We're like, really? You know, like it wasn't the path that they went or it wasn't the thought process that they had thought about, or they were able to think about like as a way to have a job or to make money. Right. And then you're like, but I think I can do this. Right. And then so the first time it happens, you go, okay, I think I'm on. They were actually super supportive. I mean, they gave me like money to buy my first camera. You know what I mean? So like, I think they were super supportive. So I didn't mean to say that they didn't help. Yeah. Uh, But I would say like, it's an uncommon path. It is an uncommon path. But one of the beautiful things about when you're young and you happen to find something that you're passionate about is you stumble into something and with your own naivety and lack of responsibilities at a young age, you can actually create something out of your passion and grow it because you have the time to do so. And I, I agree with that 100%. I feel parents could do a huge service to their kids by not forcing them to fit into an adult profile especially between the ages of 18 and 22 exactly you know let them go explore and do things and encourage interest right you know let's let's just put it like this 10 years ago what do you think mr beast's parents were saying to him when he was making videos on youtube 
they were probably like, so when are you going to get a real job? And then the YouTube partner program came out. And he goes, so maybe I'm like already doing a real job, you know? And he starts, you know, he's got, he's got two commas in his bank, right? Most people just have one comma in the bank. That guy's got two. That means millions of dollars, right? And so you got to think about that concept of, you know, encouraging uh, that sort of, like you said, when you're young, a little bit of naivety, a fair bit of optimism, right? A little bit of opportunity. So you get that, start working with friends, go. Yeah. So essentially from there, I like worked at a church for a year to like, I think there's two sides to kind of, at least my journey is one is like the creative aspect is like, how do you actually like expose a camera, like learning how to light a scene. Right. And so I feel like working at a church for a year, you know, after I discovered my passions and got some gear, whatever, that was amazing. So I was able to learn the creative skill. And you learned about production. Yeah, and learned about production, right, as a whole. And then the second half is, like, how do you learn how to run a business? Like, that is completely different than, like, knowing a skill. Like, I know how to expose this camera. Well, how do I deal with clients and relationships? That's what this podcast is all yeah. about, baby. <laughs> you, you'd be surprised. Yeah. We get people that come on here, and they say the exact same thing. And yeah. it's literally, oh, I have this really great skill, but I had to figure out how to be a businessman first. Yeah. In order to really scale or really grow. Yeah. And simultaneously, like learning in growing in your skill as you're growing with your clients. I mean, um, so that was kind of my journey is like through college, kind of learned the skill and then got to a place where, hey, like people want to pay for it. Great. How do I like monetize this? And kind of like that moment, you're like, what's that moment for you? Well, my wife and I were going to get married. Um, and basically we were like looking at like what church to go to and like, and her dad's like, son, how are you going to support my daughter? (laughs) (laughs) No, he was super supportive. And I was like, Hey Morgan, I have six months savings. I was like, but I feel like God's calling me to like run my own business. And she's like, well, great, let's do it. And I've never had, I've never had a W2 since. And so I, we had like six months savings. She's like, let's go for it. And let's, let's do it. And so time check. What's the time from that date to right now? So we literally got married May 5th. So our anniversary is like in a couple weeks. May 5th, what year? Uh, we're going to be married for five years now. Okay, so you've been doing it for five years. Yeah, full-time, right. like freelance. But like we, I've had a business operating for, for eight years now. Okay. And so now we have a team of three full-time and then two part-time. And then we'll hire in vendors as needed for bigger and bigger projects or mm-hmm. you know multiple different days. So. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. So I'm just impressed because, you know, uh, there are a lot of people, you know, when you look at vendors you can work with for your business, like you said, to help you run the business or um, in your case, help out with marketing, outsource some of that. Usually you look at organizations that have got like a 10, 15, 20 year track record and they've got a, you know, a pretty decent identity. I'm wildly impressed with the identity that you have after just five years because, I mean, you, you guys have done some pretty big work from Lowe's to Cupcake Wines. I mean, you worked with three Avengers. No, we're, we're like pretty low. Until <laughs> but, you know, you've worked you, you and I'm sure there are a, a pretty large other amounts. I, I, I don't know all your entire client list, yeah. but that identity in, you know, five years is pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. And most people don't know this. But you actually have done and done all sh- done and shot all of the videos for uh, three ventures, our consulting firm. Also, 
you are one of the architects of this podcast, right? Yeah. That's why you're on here as a guest yeah. today. So, um, you know, <laughs> that's, you not, said- that's not the only reason why you're on here, but it's one of the reasons why we did want to have you on. I think the the thing that is really the most interesting about your story is the depth of your client base and also the amount of gear that you have and to run your production to be able to shoot the quality and to get to a certain level there's a it's a f- fair capital investment to do what you're doing and to get to that level and then impress that level of clientele and then have repeat business i mean when you guys show up it's a legit setup it's not just somebody comes in with a camera. No, it's a whole full-blown crew, vehicle. I, I remember looking at the first invoice, and I was like, setup fee. It's like setup day. And I was like, okay, whatever. We'll see how this goes. Full-blown office roll up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're here. Knock, 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 730. You know, they're here, and it's just a, it's like ants, you know, just moving stuff in and out. And then in an hour and a half, suddenly our entire office is a production studio. It's wild. I yeah. mean, I remember watching them shoot. And I'm sitting in an office in a different room in a different part of the building. And I'm literally watching our people shoot videos and they're talking and stuff. And I'm like in this like producer dungeon, right? And I'm sitting here. I'm like, this is, this is pretty cool. I like this. Like, you know, his hair is a little off. A lot of folks, let's change that thing in that background. You know, it, yeah, it, it was, was a really cool experience to not only shoot the video, but also to be there a part of it as a business owner and like feel as if it was a really good opportunity to partner with somebody who is really invested in bringing whatever vision we had to life. Um, so I definitely, I appreciate that. I know Curtis appreciated that. It, it, it felt that. like a sports game. It seriously felt like we had a football team right out in front when we were shooting the video. We had everybody who wasn't playing or that was coaching away from the scenes with Hair, all the technology. Makeup. They were watching the screen. They were watching the audio. I don't like this. I don't like that. Coming back, making tweaks. We'd go out, call a timeout, change some stuff. Run another play. I mean, it felt like Hollywood yeah. in our own office, and here we are in Northern California. It so it, it was really cool. So, well, thanks, guys. Like that's yeah. the experience that we want our clients to have, and like that makes me feel so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure it's probably why you've had some really cool clients. So, what are some of the really cool clients that you've had an opportunity to work with? Yeah, I think like name recognition wise, like we've worked with Puma, we've worked with Traeger, Wells Fargo, um, we've worked with uh, both the one and two biggest wine brands in the world. Um, this past year, like visit Sacramento, we've worked with. Um, so okay, so yeah, so yeah. We, the brand we, equity is hey, there for sure. What, just some what, casual drops, yeah, just you know? just some, just, uh, just, just like, casual. Like, but I think for me, you like, as a now? business, like I think for me, like I don't necessarily. I think those are all cool. Like working with Yeti is tight. Like I can tell my friends, oh yeah, I worked with Yeti. Like it's great. However. It's, it's not your favorite project or it's not the one that you were most no, passionate to, about. To me, like I get just as excited about filming with three ventures or like some of my smaller clients who have small budgets as I do with filming with the massive budgets that I'm giving that I'm building sets for because like, so I know, I know somebody that knows you. Oh, really? And I was with him two weekends ago watching a UFC fight and I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, Kyle gives his 100% attention and effort, it doesn't matter if it's a small project or a huge project, you get 100% of him for every single thing he's doing. So, who was Ta-da. it? <laughs> was it your neighbor? <laughs> it was my neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. I love your neighbor. Because I think they went yeah. to Jessup or... Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that's actually where you uh, went to college. He, yeah, so he actually sense. worked for him in the production studio at Jessup. Yeah. yeah. So he was my boss and then he helped me like kind of when I was starting, like I would hire him on as mm-hmm. like friends to like build this community. But 
but yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that's how, what I believe is like, no matter if you're giving me a $5 or a hundred million dollars, you're going to get the same effort now, like scale and scope and what we'll do for you will be different, you know, of course. Um, but, but it's your passion. But yeah, like, I think, I think what we try to do regardless of the name is like, you're coming to us for, as an expert and like, we want to deliver an amazing experience for you. And that comes with gear that comes with the show. But outside of all of that, like what, what really matters is the story we're telling because you can have, and I tell this to every client that we meet, probably even said it to you guys, like we can have the best cameras, which we do on set, but everybody has those. Like mm-hmm. you could, you could search in this area and find like probably four or five people who would have the cameras that we have. But at the end of the day, like none of that matters because if we don't tell a story that connects with your audience and moves them to do what you want them to, then it doesn't matter. Then what's the point? Yeah, why have what's, the video? What's the point? Absolutely. And, uh, so and let's, let's, let's talk about this. Yeah, hold yeah, on. Let's talk about your favorite project that you've done and let's talk about maybe how that included some of those successful ingredients of telling that story and why that had or was so successful. Yeah, I was like, you kind of, so last year, let's just talk about last year just because there's so many amazing projects. Like we uh, partnered with um, Visit Sacramento and did like a whole travel piece for them. And it was a really like niche video that they're going for. And I loved it for kind of the two reasons. One is like production wise, like it was elevated. We were all around, we were like 14 locations in three days all around Sacramento, like at bars, at wine, at uh, you know, restaurants. Diff- so it was fairly mobile. Oh, it's super mobile. Um, and then their niche market Visit wasn't- Sacramento. <laughs> and then their niche market was like event planners. Like, hey, we want to target event planners. And we were on a call with um, the agency, um, Phil, he's amazing. And then uh, the, the actual like- CEO of marketing or I forget her exact title, but she was like, yeah, we loved it. Cause like the 65 year olds in the room who help us market our brand loved it. And the 18 year olds loved it. And it like everywhere in between, I was like, that's such a huge compliment, you know, that that's pretty, everyone good. resonated with it. It's like, that's what we want is it's not just successful job. Yeah. Yep. Um, and good client experience overall, you know, so uh, that's, that's, that's so, like front of mind. So when you're able to capture a younger audience, and an older demographic and an audience, and you look at kind of where you know society is going with social media, do you have any tips or tricks or things that you like to do? Maybe don't give away your secret sauce, but sell the sauce without the ingredient list. And then talk about you know how do you capture like different demographics and their attention? Yeah, I think it comes back to like what story are we telling as a product? Like I think there's different ways to tell a story. Like we were in a meeting just a couple hours ago and we were talking about all these ideas and we're like, he was one of the questions was, do we need this person, this one voiceover? Do we need multiple people? Do we need, I was like, Hey, look, there's 25 ways to cut the pie, but like we have to find the one that works best for you to connect with the people that are, you're trying to connect with. Um, and so like, when you talk about like, I think, how do I say this? I think Instagram success and is overrated because I think you can like, you can get the clicks (laughs) You can get the clicks. <laughs> I agree totally. Like yeah. you can get the clicks. You can get the the views on TikTok or whatever you're looking for, but that doesn't equal loyalty as a customer. No, dollars it, it in my bank account. Yeah, yeah, or dollars. Yeah, just not two commas because one is FDIC insured, 
<laughs> that's, that's very true with the uh, Silicon Valley banking uh, debacle. But um, uh, so, uh, I, I hear you on that. Let so me talk a little bit about your creative process that you have with getting the videos pieced together and then also how you manage working with some of the clients too. Because like you said, just the, the number of followers, likes, views, et cetera, it doesn't really matter because it doesn't put dollars in your bank account. And it is about telling that journey to the audience that matters regardless of how large or small that is. So talk a little bit about that creative journey and that process. And I think for, for us, we don't do placement. So let me like caveat everything that I'm saying with like, we're not the ones posting it for our clients. Like we're not the ones. But Three Ventures does. You can contact yeah. us at threeventures.com. <laughs> Shameless plug here. Continue. So like when we work with a business, either we're talking to their marketing person who has like a placement plan and like to them clicks and likes is the, is their world. Oh like yeah. That's what they it's live. their engagement. Yeah. To so. me, that's not, it's like if, if that, if you get it in front of your person that you're trying to, that they go, I want to learn more click or whatever. Like that's my job. Their job is to get it in front of you. hundred percent. I agree. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but your question Do you is, ever have any desire to to move past just here's the delivered product? I've like thought about it, like genuinely. And mm -hmm. I think like I've been thinking about it more and more. And to me, there is things that are there are things that are enticing about it. However, at the same time, our direct the people that we collaborate with most are agencies. Um, and so those people That's would what become they're doing. our direct competitors. That's what they're doing. Yeah, and I don't want to like ruin those relationships yeah, and, yeah and self for them, cannibalize and yeah. for them to get into the, into your business is probably something they don't want to do because they don't have the volume for it nor it, it, or like, capital. It, there's a capex involved there and you don't want to get into what they do because then you lose leads so you know tomato tomato you, know, you got to kind of you know your lane and know what's not your lane yeah uh <clears throat> but on to the creative process yeah i think for us like we first try to understand like what are your goals like and i think every business is probably like similar to that um and then like honestly it's just like what story are we telling and some people will say hey this is a, like i think you guys are very much this way because you guys are very creative like hey we want this like we want x and it's a pretty 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 box and we there's creative freedom within that box but some people you know say hey i want the box my box is this like i don't really know uh I they're, don't, they're throwing you a net and we're throwing you an outcome. Like we're like, this is our vision. This is our outcome. I don't care how you get from point A to point Z. Just know that when you get to point A to Z, this is the outcome we need. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so some people are like, like again, I was in a meeting earlier, and I was like, well, you could make it like Western theme, and like you could really get really creative with the brand. Um, and they just know they need a video, and they're like, I don't even know how to <laughs> execute. I don't even know what I want, and they just pay you, and that's where the three X cost comes in for you. I hope, right? Yeah, and so like, if yeah. we're taking on like that's kind of the scalability is like, how crazy are we going creatively? If you're saying, Hey, Kyle, I got fifty grand, and you go nuts with it and come back with some amazing ideas, like we could Squatty do a lot. Squatty potty pooping <laughs> unicorn soft serve. <laughs> you know, like we can do like some really creative, like out there narrative, like you can go narrative piece, you know, you could do X, Y, and Z. So anyways, um, I hear you. and ultimately what we do is we put together what we call like a treatment. Mm -hmm. And so we'll, we'll basically then pitch our client and show people who are analytical, something very tangible. Um, because what I learned early on is like, not everybody can see this concept. No, <laughs> you are, you and I are in the same land right now, but continue. <laughs> yes. And so it's like, 
uh, and some people that concept will change over time. So it's like a working document of like, say we're doing something that's a little bit more docu style, which is very on trend right now. Um, and so we'll share, Hey, here's our interview questions. Describe I, I, docu-style. Yeah. I was going to play the dummy here. What's docu style. Yeah. No. So, <clears throat> so it's, uh, say we're interviewing somebody as our main storyteller. Okay. Um, instead of like something that is just like B roll or something that is just, uh, like any Netflix documentary is okay. docu style, but people adapt that for their brand. Um, oh, right, brand video, kind of like a lot of our videos at Three Ventures. So yep. all, of, yeah, all of yeah. your stuff is docu style. Yeah. So describe this to the common person who might be listening. It's basically you sitting on the screen talking about your passion, your interest, your business, etc. And in between you talking, it's got a nice cuts of you doing something or your product or whatever you're doing or your process, etc. So it's uh, really incentivizing people to work with you or want to buy your product, etc. So. And in the same amount of time, you could just go to threeventures.com. Again, another shameless plug, and you could watch this man's beautiful face talk to you for Ta-da. one and a half minutes. <laughs> But wait, there's more. <laughs> you can go to kwbcreative.com and find a whole hell of a lot more. Back to the show. <laughs> but quick now, subscribe for $19.99. <laughs> it's like shameless plugs. Yeah, we, we don't, don't have, have all the fans yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have sponsors, so Three Ventures is just the sponsor right. every time. Exactly. Oh, we have sponsors. It just rhymes with my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the sponsors are pretty good. We're, we're still working on those. Yeah. Every time we drop like one of our favorite products or something, we're like... And if you want to sponsor this podcast, you can definitely feel free and let us know. That's sort of our, our strategy, right? The the initially is um, the in, in episode advertisements, right? Then we'll get into some of the sponsors of the show, and then we'll get into some merchandising and stuff like that. But I think what's been really cool about this is, um, you know, obviously Curtis and Wally and I, like we like to do things right, as I think folks can see as they've been watching these episodes and everything else. You know, we've seen what professionalism looks like with our experience with you and everything else. And this is really an opportunity for us to, as business owners who run a business together that's, you know, successful and busy, it's an opportunity for us to get to hang out and and chat and talk shop and bring in people who we know and our network and our contacts who are also doing other really great things. I mean, a lot of people don't even know this, like Scott, who's our producer, you know, all the cutting, everything he's doing that live you know, he has a lot of the mm-hmm. uh, creative outlets in here too. So for us, this is, this is also like a boys' night. You know, so it's it it's, is it's it is it's it's really yeah. fun and enjoyable. You know, we do dinner beforehand. We talk with the guests. We get to do all this fun stuff. And so, um, you know, for us, this is a little bit of our creative outlet too, as well. And so we've really enjoyed we've really really enjoyed that. So, you know, I'll pass it back over to you before we started getting silly. I, we I think one of the interesting things though, when you talk about you know people sponsoring the show, we want it to be actual products and goods and services that we vetted and verified and it's like hey we use this thing in our everyday life i'm not trying to have something on here where it's like randomness you know mcdonald's you know good for you because you're a big brand but you're never going to sponsor this show because i i personally will not allow it because i I don't eat there watch mcdonald's in three years so we want to have a part of our menu call me phil mickelson that doesn't have that doesn't have any seed oils or trans fats or preservatives you want to call it the mcfresh menu and we'd like you, Curtis Morty, uh, to produce uh, uh, grass-fed, grass-finished grass- beef. <laughs> Curtis will eat his words. I'm, I'm just, yeah, just like foot in the mouth, right? You know, what I've always said, I don't know if, it, just total tangential, we'll take, you know, 30 seconds and kind of go back. I don't know if McDonald's can make the supply chain to actually make that switch. Because I've thought about this a couple of times over. If one of these big corporations made a big investment in their business, 
to actually get rid of funding the science in their favor and a variety of other things and actually going down the rabbit hole and getting to the people who have actually done the legitimate research and the and done the due diligence on what is actually good for the human body that is so ripe for somebody to come in and just dominate everyone because nobody is doing it yeah they uh, could triple uh, quadruple their prices right now and people would go they their user base uh, people are starting to catch on i mean they're Anyway, we don't need yeah. to go too far tangential because this isn't the health and fitness we're podcast. We've done one of this one. Let's go so back the other way. So we're going to kick this back over yeah. to Kyle. So we were talking about the creative process But Kyle's here. a fluoride hater yeah, too, yeah, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe you can come back on and we can talk about health and fitness another day. Here's the thing. Uh, I know, know as much as my wife oh. who got me on the non-fluoride thing. So what yeah. we're saying is maybe your wife can come on the podcast with you. There you go. And we can have a good time go. talking about the origins of KWB Creative. Right. And uh, fluoride. Right. We can knock that bad boy out. <laughs> yeah. So and, I, and uh, I hope you, you know, your wife puts this on your Christmas card and it's like a little video of like, my wife knows more than I do. All right. Let's get back to the creative process yes. here. So balancing the creativity and the practicality of projects, because you were talking about how you know sometimes clients will come to you with fifty thousand dollars, and they maybe they got this some boundaries, and then versus us, we're like, hey, we know this very specific outcome. How do you manage those two? Yeah, on our kind of discovery call, uh, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, creativity and budget go hand in hand. And so, um, if you want to film out of a helicopter, <laughs> that's one cost. And if you want to film on your iPhone, that's another. Like, where do you see kind of your project? But if you buy a DJI drone, a DJI yeah. <laughs> drone you can get it for a budget cost. And, like, it's yeah. a joke and people laugh at it. And I, like, make it a joke, you know, when I'm talking to clients. But, like, that's the reality of our business is, like, if you want to build sets, like, there's, like, a hard cost to that. Right. Um, and so talking creatively, it's super fun. So, like, when you see these movies, uh, everything is curated. Like, every single thing is curated in front of that lens. Like, like the, the, the movie that should have won Best uh, cinematography like the Batman like it's like if Greg Fraser just showed up with his camera and just set it there and no the art department wasn't there and it was just like this empty room like it would look terrible yeah right you know so it's like it's all the team coming together so like if you want it to look like a Batman it's going to be an insane budget but if you want it to hey you want it to feel more organic you want it to feel authentic to who you are and not curated like we can be a little bit more on that you know so Figuring out ways, what is my sandbox as a as a cinematographer, as a businessman, to play in? You know, yeah. that's basically what I want to define, so that we can make sure. I think a lot of, and I don't know if this is congruent across all business owners, but it's to set just realistic expectations. Like, what are you going to receive? Are you going to receive the Batman? Like, because we can, you know, push boundaries. You know, to good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not Greg Fraser by any means, but like we can push boundaries to like make it the most creative of all time. Or excellent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the podcast, you have Gotham to talk loves to you. you. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is a great short in here somewhere. <laughs> uh, I'm not Batman. I am. <laughs> next like client call i'm just gonna be like hey curtis can you just be in the background like no. like no one will <laughs> no one will see you they'll just hear you <laughs> yeah uh, oh that'd be good well 
Um, so you, you manage the practicality with budget and the relationship. <laughs> Sorry, Curtis is having a good time. Yeah. The, the practicality between budget and creativity. And I think that's a good way to describe it too. You know, cause if somebody wants to be uber creative, you know, it's like, Hey, do you understand the complexity of bringing that to life? You know, in a real, <laughs> in, a, in a real, <laughs> no. <laughs> in a real context versus like a CGI context. Right. Yeah. And you know, and a lot of them, they don't understand We have a, um, we have with the client built a studio in the cloud for special effects studios who do a lot of big time movies in Hollywood. And, um, you know, just the infrastructure to the CGI stuff is, is the same thing. You know what I mean? Let alone the physical stuff on site. <laughs> well, Curtis can't, no, no. Curtis can't keep did, his dude, all the together. Batman, all the Batman shit <laughs> going my head right now is ridiculous. College humor. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> all the college yeah. humor videos. Burn. Yeah. yeah. So if you haven't seen that, Google Batman College Humor and think us later. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, getting back on track. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. I'm trying to. I want to get this thing a little bit back on track here, so we're not just talking about like Batman and Christmas cards no. and you know whether or not we believe in fluoride or not. You know, a bunch of random stuff that YouTube's going to be like strike number one with. So, um, but with that said, uh, let's talk about how video has changed recently. So, obviously video is very very big uh and especially with shorts with tiktok and reels on instagram also shorts on youtube can you talk a little bit about the power of video in your mind and sort of the rise of shorts yeah i mean the power of video is everything i mean stats are like what 90 percent of the internet or something like that is like all video streaming Mm -hmm. um you guys probably know the exact stat um, I but, should, but I don't. Yeah. Off, not off the top of my head. But it's crazy. It's crazy high. Let's just start there because someone's going to fact check this and be like, Kyle, you're wrong. Yeah. And then also to throw on there, the streaming platforms would fall into that category. Yeah. Right. So streaming is is massive. It's huge. And there's a way you, you're you connecting your story. So It's moving pictures. Like you're connecting your story on such a deeper level, not only emotionally, but visually with, and I think specifically we're talking with brands here, not necessarily just narrative like movies and stuff like that. Um, but there's a way to, that people are connecting. Okay, so I have a uh, – actually, uh, do you have any other thoughts? Because <laughs> I want you to finish this question, but then I have a follow-up question that's in Yeah, and I think Reels reels with that being come more and more – I mean, Vine was a thing, and now TikTok, and then Instagram. Oh, Vine. Was, you went back yeah, about 10 went, years. Yeah. That was, that was good. I'm hoping it comes back, genuinely. Um, it's, it, it's, a huge, it's a huge thing. However, when you're talking about what's trending – more like yes there are people creating more and more content now than ever before on their phones and it's trending and all this stuff well what these bigger brands and companies are doing i was talking about this with one of my director friends who lives on the east coast he was like look at what nike just did with hbo they just made a whole long form documentary movie instead of creating commercials so what's happening on the big scale is that these big companies are no longer saying hey we're going to spend a million to $2 million on this commercial ad. Nike's a great example. With LeBron, we'll go make put all of that money into a long-form documentary that now connects them with their brand. And I think Yes, because that, that, an ad is non-immersive and a documentary is immersive. It's, yeah. It is very true. And you also got to think about it like this. Um, do Run a little pseudoscience experiment for the audiences out there listening. You know, pull up a stoplight during, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. Hi, I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and go be Batman police officer. And just look around at everybody in their cars and see how many of them 
are on their phones. Oh, yeah. And it's I'm going to say a majority of them will probably be on your phones is my anecdotal take on this. Now, the attention span is what? Maybe two to three seconds, whatever. I mean, the dink, dink, dink. You know, people are so um, inconvenienced by having to wait at a red light or having to they just uh, wait be in line at a grocery store. Oh. And, you know, they're just sitting there and they just sit there on their phones and they just scroll, even like walking across the crosswalk. My point here is not to point out all of these things that's wrong with how people engage with their phone. But if you're a, if you're Nike and you're considering this, right, you're thinking, okay, shorts would be cool. Let us use some user-generated content. We'll sponsor some athletes. They can do all that for us. It's low cost. They shoot it on iPhone. It's perfectly acceptable for our entire audience. And it just keeps people and it's front natural. of natural. And it just keeps people front of low mind. Low cost is relative. Let's just start there. Yeah. Right. Low yeah. cost is relative. Um, yeah, because it's $4 million for an endorsement, but you got to make yeah, three keep, posts a month. Keep going yeah. yeah. But my point is, they're like, when do we want to capture somebody's attention? Well, when they're scrolling through Netflix trying to find something to watch for the night. Yeah, we just capture them for an hour. And we just capture them for an hour, right? That's the difference of video, and that's the difference of content. And, you know, that's also one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is, you know, really long form and to, you know, have an in-depth conversation with people who are uh, have successful businesses, who are doing really cool things, uh, where we also talk about topics in our in our organization and so don't get me wrong, every once in a while, because this is kind of like our time to get together, you know, we, we throw out dumb Batman jokes and, yes. you know, hopefully, <laughs> so hopefully we'll it. make some, some uh, shorts out of it, right? Never. But at, at the same time, we, um, yeah, Batman will never be soon. It's going to be short. a documentary. <laughs> you know? Dumbass, didn't you just learn? <laughs> so, you know, for us, this we feel like people will... Uh, be more engaged with when they want to understand the process. Because especially if you talk about like our audience on this show, our audience is entrepreneurs, uh, people who are looking to make a side hustle, somebody interested in finance or technology. People that are interested in hacking their own life. Yeah, and and, 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 and optimizing or improving their own life, right? I think they take more from these practical, in-depth conversations than this Twitter thread. 15 different ways that I was successful by just trying to get you to engage and subscribe to my newsletter and hit the subscribe button. That's new on my Twitter account. That's not automated with ChatGPT. Right? Or yeah, it's like, you know, the, the robot voice. It's like, this is how I turn $1,000 into $100,000. Show me a picture of your puppy. It's like, I opened yeah. an OnlyFans account. I sold my soul online, <laughs> right? Or it's something dumb where they conveniently yeah. leave out like a very key detail. Like my dad gave me $25,000 to do this. And then I paid him back, but I only started with Let's qualify this. You said OnlyFans, and then my dad gave me $25,000 to do this. Okay, this is there's not a, a Batman cut. joke. I'm, yeah, <laughs> talking about That was a bad man joke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, my point is like people talking I'll about investing in real estate or other stuff like that. Um, you know, it, it's it's all clickbait. It's all it is really you know, just trying to get people's attention span for like 20 or 30 seconds. And if I was a brand, I would not want to be there. I would not want to be there in any meaningful way trying to produce an outcome. If I was just wanting to get eyeballs and a constant reminder that we're Nike and we have cool shit, and if you want athleisure and comfortable shoes, right, we're probably your guy. I do think that brands need to be in the space. Like, 100%. But I don't think – and I think quality brands deserve quality content. Oh, like, yeah. And so I do think that there's a way to do it that, you know, I do think Nike has to advertise on Instagram, like to make money on product. However, I think 
again, like the story you're telling matters. See, you, you I know, would, I would, I would actually disagree with you. I bet you, I personally bet you that Nike could probably minimize some of their social media presence and everything else. And I bet you, if they focused on their merchandising with retailers, and if they focused on owning that customer data and communicating individually with those customers via email or catalogs, I bet you they would almost have a more engaged clientele. Because I, I honestly, I feel like most of the consumer products that are on social media, like they're just, um, you know, at least on pages, they're it, it's just hits a dopamine. You know what I mean? That, you know, you know really- but I, I would draw a correlation between apparel and the need to always have the latest and greatest thing, which is a correlation of like, give me the next funniest thing on my phone that's right in front of my face. Dopamine hit. Oh, that's hilarious. Or like, 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 like. Oh, I got the new pairs of shoes. Or, oh, I got the new Nike shirt. How many people that you know that rock all these brands w- wear something out? Like, I wear out all my Lululemon stuff. Uh, I hear you, Not but I don't think that posting on their Instagram account or TikTok or wherever they get into views, I honestly think it's a lot of the social advertising because... But that is social advertising. So like you're getting you're getting yeah, in maybe, front of somebody maybe who's maybe doing the five. nighttime scroll and then Papa Swolio comes up and says, put your phone down, put your phone down, put your phone down. And they scroll again and then it comes up as Nike and they see kind of like the liver king like he's playing a game and you're picking your character but it's your own nike shoe it's like click 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 stop on the one that you like the most and then they're sitting there trying to stop on a single frame with their thumb it's there's all kinds of different ways that you could do it i think that both yeah, doesn't leads to sales that's that's my question i don't know I'm, so so I, so there's brand recognition okay and then there's long form engagement and what i think the question is is how do you influence somebody to make a sale well, I and, think personally, we're gonna make a purchase. Sorry, Nike creating like clickbaity content. I think, like, I go back to like quality brands can need to produce quality content. Like, I don't view that as quality content for somebody who is a market leader. That's my point. Clickbaity content. I feel like but I Nike think you could, could do less. create clickbaity content that is more on brand. Like, and I'm talking holistically, and not like calling out Nike here. Um, yeah, but I think you can tell better stories. Because I think there is a need in the marketplace right now for just non-crap content. I would agree. It's just it's flooded with with non-timeless content. Yeah. And when I think of the earliest, shortest commercial or something like a short before shorts existed that really caught my attention. Do you remember when Apple came out with the iPod, but the focus wasn't on the iPod; it was on the white headphones. Yeah. That was a story. And those were, you know, 20, 30 second commercials. Yeah. Those were pretty freaking powerful. But do you remember like uh, the commercials? And I think it was ESPN where they were like in an office space and then they would oh, have, yeah. like yeah. the guy like bust through the wall, tackle somebody. Yeah. It's Batman like that comes out. Quality content, hilarious, clickbaity, but that shares something about their brand, shares something about who they are. And it's not just like, the click, click, click thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you could do that on that scale. I, I agree. And so this is kind of why I had, I, like, we're just using Nike to sort of hypothesize here. And this is where my brain goes as somebody who has run analytics for large-scale digital advertising and, and marketing organizations everything else. I think Nike could solely rely on user-generated content 
to really push their new products and their apparel and play off those people's audiences. And then Nike itself could focus on just the really core quality pieces. Because when I think about Nike, you got to think about Nike has the most iconic athletes in every category in every division. Right. I would say not on their page. So I would say, hey, I'm going to pay you like influencer marketing. They do do a ton of influencer marketing. But I wouldn't use it on my, like at least this would be my recommendation. I don't do placement. Like I said, I just create the content. (laughs) I would argue that nike should just say hey we'll produce the most epic content that's clickbaity players but it's not user generated because and then Hmm. like you should create it yourself so i haven't looked at nike's socials at all recently but they have endorsed athletes like they have crossfit athletes and there's not there's more money now in crossfit than there ever has been but there's not a ton of money like other sports not even close but they have, I mean, I see some of those, the women that are sponsored by Nike up at like Dick's Sporting Goods. And so when you talk about influencer marketing, that is a lot of their way that they get reach, to your point, and to the point about the documentary. I would say that they're more focused, when you get that big, it's really the brand recognition and get, getting people to associate with your brand. That the way in which this brand operates and what this brand represents is what I want to represent. And that's what would influence a purchase. So I think if it fits anywhere in that arena, and that's great because there are girls that see like Lauren Fisher or Sarah Sigmund's daughter or some other Nike athletes like Matt Frazier or some girls who or some guys who would see Matt Frazier. They're like, oh, they wear Nike and they look good in Nike and they're good. I want to be good and I want to look good. I'm going to go buy Nike Metcons. Right. So that is kind of connecting the dots here for what their play probably is. Or one of their plays, they probably have a whole playbook. So and, and that and that was yeah. And I hear you there. And maybe I'm just focusing on a specific strategy with them. But I just I don't know when I when I look at social media feeds, you know, and because originally how we got on this was like the rise in video and shorts and everything else. I see it as just a lot more junk content, you know. And don't get me wrong, the memes and the comedy and the dumb shit people do is hilarious and it is a great way to pass time if you are just looking for a good laugh or to lighten the mood there's a lot more really funny good content like that but i'm talking what i'll call like demand generation oriented content you know that's what i was really focusing on and i and i think that like you said there's a place to align and sort of draw a line in the sand with is this a quality representation of our brand? And if it is, it goes on our page. And if it's not, you know, let's let's leave that to other people who are, you know, brand ambassadors or affiliates or, you know, because they're not pushing us. They're pushing uh, them in our stuff to their audience who, you know, they are going to know the best. So, so but moving, moving on to, you know, one of the other topics that I wanted to talk about here, um, we talked about shorts and that sort of leads into some of the trends that are coming up in video that you're seeing that maybe you're thinking about you're having to evolve your business with. I know one of the trends right now is a lot of AI generated video, AI generated sound. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you see that and uh, you know, what your thoughts from a business perspective are with it? I probably have controversial thoughts <laughs> compared to you guys about that's fine. AI. That's, Scott's, that's completely Scott's fine. bumping in the back. Hey, I think when you take out the creation, the creator from the creation, I think something happens I in, a, in a negative way. So there's a parallel to software development here as well. 
uh, that I think once you allow something to become cognitive and start creating, and then it just continues to create and it has no biological function, so it just creates nonstop, like it has infinite Adderall, right? As long as you don't unplug it, it's going. You're going to, that thing is going to go so far down a rabbit hole that we're either just going to watch the weirdest Quentin Tarantino movie that we've ever seen in our life, or we're never going to be able to connect the dots with how this thing got there. Or it's going to supersede all of our capabilities so quickly that we're not even going to be able to keep up with the trail of like how they built something. Well, and, and, and to his point, to your point, we actually see it almost the exact same way you see it. Um, I, and I know that might sound odd because we're in technology and we're using I it. I thought and you we're guys were super it. pro. But I, and we, I'm, I'm we, very skeptical of it in the context of like what you said. It, it's this, let me draw a little bit of a parallelism here. Okay, so um, I led the analytics uh, division here at Three Ventures until I became the guy who um, was running the company, right? Just at the time, that was the role I fell into. And when I was doing that type of work, it was always, okay, your data can only tell you what's happened in the past. And so if you're going to keep doing things the way that you used to do them in the past, maybe this is a good indicator of what could happen or what might happen in this seasonality or this trend or going forward. I draw that same parallel between AI, which is largely trained on all of the content, information, et cetera, on the internet as of a certain point in time, whenever that AI model was built and trained and released, right? And so you got to think about it like this. It is largely performing the largest amount of, um, uh, it's not plagiarism, but what's it called when it's very close to plagiarism? Um, plagiarism. Yeah, <laughs> no. we should leave it at that. Yeah. I never got yeah. popped for plagiarism, so I wouldn't know. Yeah, so uh, I, I, there's there's a word, yeah. okay? But it's basically a mass regurgitation of what already exists and what's out there. And like, here's the deal. That can go and create a bunch of new content and topics and trends or strategies that are already working. But let's let's just look at the history of human nature. I would say in the last 10 years, so from 2013 to 2023, I would say that content on the internet has become a bit more ridiculous, a bit shorter in attention span, a little bit more extreme because everybody's like always trying to take it to the next level. It's also at the same rate gotten more creative, more crazy, more fun. I have a story on that. More, more exciting. And so the AI... How is the AI going to interpret what that is, right? Or, or how is the AI going to interpret when have we had enough and people actually wake up to the fact that, the, you know what, like, yeah, it was entertaining me, but this has taken us so far off of like a fundamentally sound place as a species. Like, I feel guilty for this. And, and that's why I'm in the same camp of where you're at is because, you know, to err is to be human, and it, it basically being creative could be being making errors or making mistakes. And you're like, oh, yeah, wait, actually, this is like- genius mistake. It happens organically. So the the evolution of the society from a creative perspective happens organically. And the problem, then this is why I said, you know, cognitive AI, 
I think the real big issue is when we let these things run unchecked and you essentially allow the normal human creativity that would influence culture and you would allow that that organic process to happen. If you just allow the AI to do it, it's not being led by the humans. So now the humans are like, to your point, where do I want to follow or what direction do I want to go in? And because we're now at a snail's pace and those things are running like a damn Ferrari on a racetrack, <laughs> they're just outpacing everything. So the bounds of where our society is progressing to, we're not even close to it. Yeah. And this is not just the arts, right? This is also technology. And so this is the really, this is kind of like the Terminator moment where you realize that not only can these things outpace us, and there, it's not even a fair race. There is no race. We don't even qualify. But what happens if those then get into something in a physical form? Yeah, so, and I think art is saying, like art, when you talk about cinematography, storytelling, is saying something. It is. So when you're having someone with, like the first thing we learn about God is that he creates, right? So it, we can create because God created. So you're um, God. No, 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 no. That's not my point. I'm just, I'm, yeah. I was just being funny. <laughs> I was not being serious <laughs> at all. Batman in? And so I think if, we're, if we remove the moral, because AI has no moral standards, and you're talking about what is a society art, what did, what would art then say if mm-hmm. art is, is then created by a computer? Mm-hmm. I think that becomes a very slippery slope. Yeah, I agree, because you look at art, if you study art, and you know, shout out to all you people who got art degrees and did nothing with them or did something. But uh, my point is... Asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they... They would actually, you know, be able to identify like key periods, like for example, the Renaissance. You have, uh, you know, different forms of enlightenment. You know, as you go back into uh, like the Byzantine Empire and everything else, and then you you go all the way back to the Egyptians. There were different periods of human intelligence, art, culture, etc. I don't think that that changes, but. With AI, I'm just, I'm not sold that we are going to be able to get a form of culture from it that produces that feeling that you have, you know, because we, we have a biological interconnectedness and feeling towards each other when we're around one another. Yeah. That's yeah. not really studied very well, and there's not a lot of research on that. But well, if, uh, if you have, I, I would stop. I would say there's probably a lot of research on that. We just haven't looked at it. Perfect. There, yeah, there, there, is. there isn't a yeah. ton of research that I have looked at yet. Uh, maybe that's a good topic for another day. But my point is, is I, um, I don't think a machine's going to be capable of that. But what I do believe is, as we talk about the trends, the things to be careful of and cautious of, I think short term, if you're an entrepreneur or you're a content creator or you're somebody who is going to rely on content to market and promote your side hustle, your business. I think you have to have a strategy for AI um, because in the next three to five years to get eyeballs and to get views, you're going to need it. But here's the caveat. Go back and look at the 2020 or 2012 duplicate content update from Google where they used to rank content that was basically copies of other content, right? And it was such a problem that they basically had to go back and say, who is the first person to produce this content? Only rank that person. I think we are coming to another critical moment where essentially there will be 
a forced identity and verification system on any type of platform that has global reach and scale that you can publish and promote content on. I think you're going to have to have a creator ID. It's going to have to authentic, authentic, basically you're going to have to have a level of authenticity. It's going to have to reflect you or show you in some degree or be an original work of content, art, voice, etc. And it's going to need to come from a place of originality because if it doesn't have those things, and let's say you're just a verified user and you're just mass producing a bunch of content that is digitally created, there's not a touch of humanity in it, right? It doesn't have nice production quality. I really think you're going to be heavily dinged for that. I really think there are going to be some consequences because I believe society is going to go into sort of two directions, right? Um, one direction is AI content's great. Look at all this cool stuff I can create. And then the other one is going to be, at least in my mind, the, you know, uh, this has gone too far off the deep end. And so I believe to get past this three to five year winter, we're going to have a, a, vo a vomiting of mass regurgitation of content. You're going to need to be thinking, okay, long-term three, five, six, seven years from now, am I going to have this level of originality, this level of humanity that I'm going to get rewarded for long-term? But in the short term, can I use something, some AI or some tooling to represent my humanity or represent my creativity or represent my authenticity? I think that's the winning formula. And it's ironic that you say that because today... Yeah, I believe it was Samsung was considering switching from Google to Bing as the primary search engine for their phones. Google stock was down, I think, 3% or over 3%. Uh, and Google basically, at the same time, was talking about, hey, we might have to create a different type of search engine, to your point, about verified content or original content. The internet really doesn't become anonymous anymore you almost have to prove because of AI that you are who you are. The beauty of the internet 25, 30 years ago is that you could be anonymous because we didn't have these tech, I'm sorry, 25 or 30 years ago, let's just say 10, 15 years ago. You could be anonymous because that was the whole point. So this some guy that nobody knows was putting out this amazing content or was stitching together these YouTube videos or wrote this great blog on some topic that I was interested in or, or lady, whatever. And that was great. And you didn't have to necessarily expose your identity and you could have a lot of reach. But now we're going to get to the point where it's almost like you have to be who you are and be 100% authentic and transparent. It's like if you want to do something, you're going to have to open the door to everybody and let it be seen. Like you can't just be, you can't live a double life anymore. Like there's some people that have a certain identity on the internet and then an identity in, in regular life. And that's, now that's the only way it was ever going to work because at first the internet was about Well, that's not the only way it was ever gonna work. Hold on, hold on. It, it's been me, working like let, that. Let me let me let me get to this, right? But it's the only way it was ever going to work when some form of cognitive intelligence was able to be produced by computers because of all the things you just mentioned. They can constantly work as long as they're plugged in. It's 24-7. There's no paid leave. There's no sick leave. There's no family time. They don't need to sleep, etc. So there was always going to be this point where the internet reached that. 
And the downside is, you know, it's going to give governments a lot of power and the social credit score and everything is, is coming. It's, it's the American society in my mind is, is too distracted by all of the 10, 30 second hits of dopamine uh, right at the stoplight to realize that they're trying to pass this act on TikTok, which basically would give the government complete and total control, complete and total control. Yeah, I think well, I said this on last time's over, episode. It, it makes the Patriot, Patriot Act look like child's play. Right. Yeah. And then on top of all of that, to market or promote yourself, guess what you're going to have to do? Verify. You're going to have to verify yourself and all of your content. So we can go down the deep rabbit hole, but verifying yourself and the content is, I think, how we keep humanity alive. How we keep humanity functioning is figuring out how to make sure there's regulation and transparency in the place in the government. And with that, that was my follow-up to your question. I'll give you a chance for uh, a, a, a little rebuttal or a next topic if you would like to move no, on. No, I mean, like, you guys are experts in... I'm going to broadly say this, and this is like like the internet as a whole. Like, in terms of Google Ads, utilizing and placement and things like that. Scott's laughing in the background. <laughs> Wouldn't you say that's kind of, yeah, he's not Google's core business, the way they make money, is under heavy attack right now. Yeah, so, like, I think you guys understand that on a level that I don't. What right. I understand is video production, like, genuinely, and I think AI is a threat to that in a cultural sense, like, if we're talking big picture still. I think there are uses that I've seen, actually, that I think are really cool. Like, for example, I'll give you one example. Uh, on Instagram, I was scrolling, and this director, I think it was Ryan Booth, who's, like, a really famous director, um, he, like, posted this, sto- this story of how art department recreated using uh, MidJourney a old vintage photo of the family he was t- shooting a video of. And I was like, that is the coolest thing. Like, you could never do that. You couldn't. Uh, today and i'm like so that's a mini piece so but of the greater story and he, and he even said in his story like hey this isn't like the main focus it's just in the background this i is was a, like that's actually kind of cool this so is a really the cool tooling. topic because this is where i think there's a lot of advantage the ai based tooling that empowers creativity that empowers thinking and strategy right because strategy is creativity in a structured context Right, creativity is creativity in an unstructured context. That's how yeah. I at least see the relationship between the two. The tools that you have that allow you to think faster, be more inspired, move quicker, get something done, add in that one finishing polishing piece, that is th- those I cannot emphasize that enough. Figure out what your AI toolbox is going to be for whatever skill set you have. And go and use that. Like you don't have to stay on top of to date with all of the AI tools and everything else. You can go sign up for a newsletter, pay five bucks, get those sent to your inbox. But at least just read that and then go, oh, hey, you know, I need to build props. Okay, what's a great way to get some prop ideas? Oh, there's a tool for that. Or yep. I need to write, you know, sales emails that are specific. You know, uh, there's obviously chat GPT. Or I'm a video production oh, company, right? I'm a video production company. And, you know, I need some help with CGI and we have this idea. And so maybe it presents you with some mock-ups. There's all these things that you can do to accelerate that execution process. In our world, when you start, I think it's a slippery slope of using tools. So, so, but the tools are really finished. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, like I think, and I don't know where that line is for me, having this been like a new thing that I've been thinking a lot about. 
because I think when you remove the create, like I said earlier, remove the creator from the creation, I think things happen in a negative way. Like, I think the photo is one thing. Like, I can't physically create that, you know. But now, uh, for example, editing. If I'm going to have an AI edit my videos for me, and that's a tool, I think there's a loss there because it's not done by a human. So yeah, yeah it, but so I think on. that's for me. Like, I don't know that line of someone taking out uh someone editing and taking the creator away but think of this as more like the tools that you would use during the editing process so let's just say i don't know what tools you use let's let's just say you're working in adobe premiere you're editing you have tools built into adobe premiere that those are tools a part of the editor you might have other ai tools that might provide you with hey analyze this audio automatically transcribe put this text in here only have it three words make it switch when the when the audio switches and and based on the frame yeah just faster right so you're gonna be able to produce things faster so my next point in this conversation was i think it's really important for people to not lose focus for what they want to do in their life or what they're interested in their life because if things go in a just hold on if things go in a positive way what we're going to see is those who can produce, they're going to produce, they're going to be 10Xers, right? I'm not saying 10X is the number. I'm just saying that that's the term, right? They're going, oh, I'm talking like Alan, right? Um, 10X, they're going to be way more productive. And so therefore we are going to be able to produce a hell of a lot more. So if we're producing something like five to 25 times more than we're producing right now, just in the arts, there's going to be so much content. So where are you going to give your time? Because the only thing AI is not going to do is going to give people their time back. It's not going to make more time. We're all going to die at some point, and we all have a finite amount of time. So where are you going to place it? Because now there's going to even be more distractions, more cool shit, and just generally speaking, more stuff you're probably interested in. So the question really comes back to how well do you know yourself and what are your interests? And I think that when you look at what's going on on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok right now, that doesn't look like a bright future. Scroll, 30 seconds, scroll, 30 well, seconds, scroll. And even what you're talking about, which is like going back to our mission as a company, like creating redemptive, truthful content, like depression rates across all those platforms are huge for youth. You know, like, oh, yeah, and now you're huge. Yeah. And now, like, and I want to be the opposite of that. Right? Like, I want a hopeful content. God, it'd be so nice to, like, insert Andrew Huberman directly in this podcast and be like, dopamine and how that relates to videos and social platforms and everything we've just been talking (laughs) about and how the brain's actually working and why people are depressed. Okay, let's, let's, yeah. I want you to finish this thought because I think this is going to lead into a really good question I have. You were talking about, you know, (laughs) the current thought that I have (laughs) producing thoughtful content. Yeah. I think like when you're talking about AI and creating just mass content, you know what we've actually worked with a lot of different health, mental health organizations over the past year, just finished up a film for one of them, um, like a long format film. And like every youth said in their interview, like, oh yeah, social media was a detriment, you know? And so when you're talking about three times in the amount of content just because of AI. That's a very conservative number too, by the way. Totally. Yeah. I'm just like, what is that going to do as a society? And I think 
at, like when you remove the creator from the creation, I think what you're going to do is 10x that number as well. 10x the detriment. Okay. The okay. detriment. So, and so, so and for me, I'm fall. like, oh, as a content creator, I want to do the opposite. I want to tell truthful, redemptive stories that move people. Okay. You know, and so that's a positive. That's hope filled. Um, and I think while doing that, like, yes, like we can talk about like quality quality brands deserve quality content you can still create quality reels and quality uh content you know for those people that are hopeful not like just trash is that is that your slogan by the way quality brands deserve quality content it's a more it's a like a a principle uh over the last like couple weeks our team internally has been using it and i've really liked it um so Sorry yeah. if I've said it a few times, but no, 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 it's great. I I just wanted to kind of highlight it, it that it was a like really a good piece. Yeah, no, dude. I mean I think so many because so many times like people at least that we've been in conversation with are like, oh yeah, I just like want this like authentic video, and I'm like, well, authenticity is just so fabricated. What is the quality of your brand exactly? And then how do you pair the quality of your brand to the quality of your product, right? And so the authenticity, um, you know, that that could be a really good piece to that. Um, I think when people think of authenticity, what they actually mean is, is just like shot on an iPhone, like in low quality. However, quality doesn't necessarily mean, uh, quality doesn't necessarily mean what quality doesn't necessarily mean that, that the video can't be good. Like quality is in story can be, is different than quality of content. Right. You know? And then I also think you know, authenticity is like, well, what is authentic? Like on, on social media, what is authentic? And I think every single one of those influencers is fabricated. Oh, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. It's all fake. It's all fake. You know, I think. And, so, I, and like our, all of what we do, like when we filmed with you guys, style, way more authentic than like a commercial, yeah. for example. But we had a two ton grip truck unloaded. And like you guys talked about like all the stands and all the life. It's like, it's it's DocuSound. It feels authentic because mm-hmm. it's who you guys are. I feel like when and that's the story that we're telling. However, it's a hundred percent fabricated. Everything that you see on social is fabricated. Yeah, I, I think it's two, <laughs> po- two, two, two points. Two points here. Candid versus produced. When when I when I see docu series on Netflix, I feel like when they're interviewing people that I've been in that interviewer's chair before because of the work that we've done with you going into the social media platforms and the the influencers or the couples or whomever that's making content, I honestly think there's a small handful of them that their personality and their content are so in alignment that they're not producing junk. You're just getting a lens to the life of this person. Like, for example, there's a guy named Juju Mufu. What a name. You've seen him on a Taco Bell commercial for the Super Bowl three or four years ago, he's this uber buff, anabolically swole guy doing the splits on two classroom chairs, holding a barbell over his head, and I think he had a horse, he had a like a horse, uh, like Halloween head on. head on. And it was for a Taco Bell commercial. But when you look at this guy in, in from people that have met him in person, that's exactly how he acts. He just does a bunch of crazy shit with all his friends. But he's a body, he looks like a bodybuilder and he could move like a gymnast. And he just produces the most outlandish content, but you can totally tell that it's in line with his personality. It's not being fake. He's not some girl doing OnlyFans because she doesn't have any job prospects. 
He's it's not somebody that's just producing content. Or I feel like sometimes when you see some of these couples that post stuff on Instagram, maybe that's just like the playfulness in their relationship. Maybe that there's a lot of realness to that. But I've also seen, to your point, on, on like some of them, because my wife likes to follow a couple of couples, she's like, this is us. I see some of their content, and I'm like, you guys are just producing content to produce content. And sometimes I see their and stuff, and I'm like, and that's actually hilarious. And I, and I agree with you. So this is, this is something I wanted to get into. So when we talk about you know, strategies for uh, entrepreneurs or people who are looking to do a side hustle, as it relates to video, the level of personality that you can have that is is really candid I think can go a long way and the only strategy that I have really seen to get that type of content and it's a level of commitment you have to have the cameras constantly rolling because like you said you know like even the stuff we did the docuseries or whatever it's fabricated the best stuff is just going to come to you like a jolt of energy on a whim and if that camera's not there and somebody's not recording. Like you're gonna miss the that spark, that 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 humanity, that moment of greatness, right? Yeah. And that I think is the content that you know you should be aiming to put out there. Or the real content where it's like, you know, you're talking about you know, you're having a bad day, you know, these are the struggles you're going through, this is how you're trying to get through it. You know, I think that that is probably a very good winning strategy for somebody you know, who's wanting to do a side hustle or somebody who is an entrepreneur looking to promote their business. I think, I think that's probably a, a, a good thought. Um, you know, what would be your, your consideration given if somebody came to you and said, okay, with what we just talked about with AI, the sort of the, your thoughts on video, what would be a good strategy to get that out there in your mind? So to refine your question, there was a lot I felt like there was four questions in that. Oh, what I thought is, I gave my answer and then you know asked the question my bad. Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. Like, what is like your like main question? My main question is if an entrepreneur or somebody who had a side hustle was coming to you and they said, Kyle, with everything we've just talked about on the show, you know, the future of video, the stuff that's a trend right now in video, uh, AI producing a bunch of regurgitated content, what should I be considering for my video and content strategy? To really, like you said, have that level of authenticity, not have everything feel super fabricated, be authentic, be real, talk about real challenges that people have instead of just, you know, more smoke and mirrors or more that perception that everything's great and you can do this. And it's. Yeah, I think when you talk about like a side hustle, like it seems like they're promoting themselves based on what you're talking about. Like, oh, I'm going through this stuff. Or like, an idea or a concept or, or something, through, right? You know what I mean? Um, Whereas, like, if I'm selling this water bottle, like, that's a different, like, I'm not going to talk about how this is, like, the negatives about this water bottle, per se. I'm just going to ask you if you're thirsty. (laughs) Yeah, you know, like, and I think there's, there's so many, I think you have to look at where your brand is positioned, you know? So, like, if you're selling, like, your side hustle as a product, that's very different than, like, you as an individual. Because, like, authenticity is going to look a lot different. So, for example, like, um, Dr. Squash. I think that's Sasquatch. Yeah, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. The yeah. deodorant. Yeah. So like Bar soap the too. funniest videos I've oh, ever yeah. seen. But very different than Dove. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And so I think if you're like, hey, I have a side hustle, it's like, well, what is your brand position? Like because then someone like me is gonna come along and say, Hey, I want to create a video for you. What do you want to say? 
you know? And so like someone like Dove is going to say, Hey, I want something very different than Dr. Squash. Dr. Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Okay. Yeah. I said it wrong twice. Now. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Just think like a Bigfoot. Yeah. Next time I mess it up. Batman voice. That's, a, that, that's <laughs> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point though. It's, it's what is the perception of the brand that you want to portray? And yeah, Where's is it, is it you like is it your identity like your face your personality is is that something or is it a you know a, a product and maybe you have to produce somebody else's ethos and so maybe the consideration given is you know uh work with a side hustle that aligns with your character and your personality because you're probably going to have more success with it's that. so funny that you say that so when i think about products that i've just bought on my phone on a whim they have been people that they had a specific problem in their life and nobody had a product out there for it. And so they made their own product and they made an advertisement and put it on some social media platform and they didn't make it fake or try to instill an emotion. And you're like, hey, I had this problem. This is the thing that I came up with. This is what I'm offering. This is why you need this product. Not why you need this product. This is why this product is the best. And so for me, there's a, there's a company who makes a gym workout bag. They're called Haven. It's a really small shop. I've been looking for a super organized, completely rigid workout bag that I could take that's going to last 10 plus years. I've gone through like four of them. I've been working out for almost 15 years now. They, uh, they, this is like $250, $300 bag. But I bought it and I'm like, I'm, ne- I'm not going to buy another bag for 10 years because the bag is legit. And there's been a couple of other products like that that I've also bought because they have a lot of direct alignment with the things that I'm focused on in my life. And somebody else who I would have never known about had it not been for social media, they made a product that I'm like them. And this thing solves the same challenge that they had in their life, right? Authenticity. It's authentic. Yeah. It's authentic to who they are. They're they're not being, they're not hiding anything. No, absolutely not. Um, and I think that as I think just authenticity, the word is overused like as a whole because it's all fabricated. Like they're curating that message to you in a positive way. Okay. So I, yes, I would say instead of it, it's not, it's authentic. It's just, it's fake. Yeah. It's just not real. Synthetic. And I just personally yeah, like, I agree. Producer in- Scott coming in with a late night voice. <laughs> well, I wanted to say that to Kyle, not to interrupt you, Kyle, but it's like, you you're gonna be like the organic art, right? Just like how we eat. Um, you can get fast food, right? That's not so good for your diet. Now with this mental diet, to your point, you actually know cinema. You actually know theater. That's that's a proper mental diet. So I think that that would decrease, hopefully, um, in theory, like people not just feeling so depressed by content that's like fast food, that's not proper, you know. So I yeah. think there's there's gonna be this difference in the future. Where is that synthetic art? Oh, they got a, the award for that, but organic art or, or human art, whatever the terminology like is. Like there's going to be a category for it. Yes, just like when Curtis shops. So just like when we all shop for food, it's, is this grass-fed meat? Now it's like, this guy went to art school or, you know, this, this is this is human art. This is not synthetic. This this is what we really need to be ingesting. And I think like going back to like, hey, is that a slogan? Like I think people recognize that Yeah. as a whole, not necessarily like my work, you know, you were very generous, but like. As an industry, I think it's noticeable the Scott, differences. Scott, we need a fourth chair. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the, the podcast. Get on Scott. the show, baby. That was good. <laughs> Scott's good. just over here on the show with the switcher, just switching to himself, switching back to us, you know, and then we get to see his beautiful face. That was nice. Please chime in at any time because that was a, a really good point. 
Yeah, what, I, it sounds much better when you interrupt me than when Curtis does to you. By the way, wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I play a very strategic role here. Okay, when you're talking, I have to interject some some comedy. All right, and and when I do, when I talk, you have to interject some comedy too. That's just the way it works. All right. Otherwise, but, it's dull. But Kyle, no like what you're talking about, where the whether it's like the persona, I don't think that the amateur is able to capture that. You know, whatever whatever terms you used before, but it's the way that um, you cater to each client. That's I think that's the goldmine of the future. Everyone wants content. Before, as Tom Cruise was our hero, right? My mom loved. Uh, uh, Ricky Iglesias, right? Uh, Garth Brooks. Uh, there was these stars. Now everyone has their little TV in their pocket, and everyone wants to be a star. And it's like, if it's going to be synthetic, we're all going to be stuck in the junk drawer of like, who wants this? What's actually valuable? You might find a Glock, you might find a rubber band, but it's dried out, <laughs> you know. But but with you, uh, I I'm very impressed, and I I would bet the house on the the trajectory that you have on, on your professional career and where you've been. Um, yeah, I'm, I've been learning a lot. I'm excited. It, it, it's yeah. a really great point. And speaking of which, you know, uh, talking about your professional career and where you're at with everything else, um, I want to get into some rapid fire questions so we can just get some stuff right off the cuff from you. You know, cause I feel like now everybody's a little giddy and we've I'm we, a little we, nervous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've got, we've got we'll Curtis's eye on me over we'll here. We'll get back like, in the series. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've, we've got some rapid fire questions. Somebody all right. Quick. Put so up the Batman light. The goal of this segment is to answer these as quickly as possible. Maybe we'll get some gold in this. Maybe we won't, but this is for folks to get to know a little bit more about you. All right. You ready? I ready as I will be. Coffee Take or tea? Coffee. One word to describe your entrepreneurial journey. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. <laughs> One word. One word. Uh, challenging. Challenging. What's your favorite social media platform? Uh, Instagram. Nice. Early bird or night owl? Night owl for sure. Mm-hmm. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Uh, oh, teleport. Easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. Your go-to productivity hack. What's that? Um, go-to productivity hack. I know these are rapid fire, and I'm not. I'm failing on the rapid fire part. All right, next. I think doing less. You need an AI like, assistant. Like not not working, <laughs> not working. Hey, that's a good answer. Like twenty-four-seven. I think genuine. And that's a new one. Like genuinely. But doing less is two words. So next. Balance. <laughs> balance. Wrong. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, balance. All right. What's the one piece of technology you can't live without? I mean, I would probably say my camera. I mean, I, can, I literally work with it. Right. Yeah. And with that time that you take off, what's the best book you've read lately? Um, John Mark Comer wrote this book, and I haven't li- haven't read it, but I've listened to his podcast, and I it's on my list. But it's a... The Relentless, I'm going to butcher the title, but it's basically like Relentless, uh, frick. It's like end, hurry, uh, and it's like basically taking hustle out of your life in a positive way. Yes. And I think giving uh, yourself time to think. Yeah. I like, like that. We're going to talk more about that here in a second. What celebrity do you wish you could work on a video campaign with? Any. Chelsea soccer player of all time. All right, you're 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 a soccer fan. All right, oh, yeah. The most rewarding part of owning your own business is 
I think getting like genuinely for me, and I know this is probably going to sound narcissistic, but like making the decisions, like it, it, we either succeed or fail because of me. And it's like all the pressures on me in a positive way. Like I enjoy that. I think that like I played college soccer, like I, I love that feeling and you can't receptive, like you can't get that anywhere else. You can't replicate it. So if we have, if we have to one word, this, is it control? Is it, is it, um, like uh, no, he likes direction. To create, and yeah, to yeah. create, you he needs to provide provide the direction, yeah. and to provide yeah. the direction, he needs to call the shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably right. Yeah. Th- this segment was oh, it wasn't one. It wasn't one word. Why did I? Sorry, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. And this might lead into the next one, which is what is the hobby you have outside of your work? New one for me: woodworking. Hey, trying to get into go. that. Have you str- have you found yourself struggling to have something else to do besides your your job? Yeah, so my wife has joked for years, like, Kyle, you need to find a hobby, like a creative outlet or like something else to do. That's not Cause, work. Because like early on, I didn't have a team. And so I would be working, and I'm sure you guys probably had something similar, like 24-7. Like I always had another video to edit. And I even went home the other day to my wife and I was like, hey, today was like a hard day. But, oh, my gosh, the like my team accomplished like four other videos. I was in meetings all day. My producer was setting up the, the shoot for next week. I was like, I looked at her, I was like, remember when I had to do all of that myself? She's yeah. like, yeah, and I didn't see you. You know, and so like it has been hard, but with a team has come like more time in a positive way. And that and that is the brutal reality of being an entrepreneur and starting a business is you have to work a short period of time, maybe in, you know, three to five years, like most people won't, so you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. And the challenge with that is I don't think a lot of people can tune themselves into that mindset to move forward because you don't really ever have a day off. You have time off. And so time off can be like, oh, wow, like I've had today off and it's a Sunday and it's 1 p.m. And then, boom, something comes up and you're like, OK, opportunity. We got to go hop on that. So well, you, you in don't our have- world, someone could say it like literally someone was like, hey, do you want to go to Kenya and shoot? Like literally my wife knows that I could be on a plane at any moment because we have a project somewhere. Yeah. Like that's how we live our lives. Like my wife and I just, that's like customary, but like literally we could be Sunday afternoon. I'm like eating dinner with her. Someone calls me and says, Hey, you want to go shoot a video somewhere? Yeah. And then I'm there off to the races. Absolutely. So this is going to get into some good stuff. Let's talk about some of the challenges you've had. We'll wrap up with this. So, um, I always like to ask a couple questions here. First one, you, you nailed on it. Of Hi- course you hi- do. Hiring, you like to talk all the time. Hiring a team. <laughs> what were some of the challenges you went through hiring a team? I think originally was like the idea of just like how do I go about it? Like and what is the right time? Like I remember talking to one of like my business consultants and I was like, I was like, I'm overworked. And I couldn't even like see past like the ability to hire a team. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. And I was like, I'm so in it that I can't even see outside of myself. Yeah, 100%. You Um, get so wrapped up in everything you have to do. And then the next thing that you know you have to do, but you already don't have enough time, is you have to build a team. Yeah. And and it was like the most daunting thing of all time. And then what happened in our industry, and I know in California as a whole, is like AB5. Which basically said like... You can't subcontract with somebody who's directly generating revenue for your organization. Correct. So I met with like some lawyers and it impacted at least our industry as a whole. 
And so basically there was no option. Like I had to, and what we were doing is what sucked is half of my time was just organizing vendors. And so I was like, Hey, can you work on Thursday? Hey, can you work on Friday? And then our, our clients didn't have the same faces and people. And like, then they'd come, we'd come back because we have repeat business and they'd be like, Hey, where's happy. Right. Where's Chelsea? Where's this? Yeah. Where's, yeah. Where's, yeah, exactly. And everyone happy, was like, happy is, let's clarify. was one of the people that worked for you. Correct. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's his real name. <laughs> uh, and, and or Justin. And, and so people were like, Oh, oh, he's not here today. And he had another project or whatever. And, um, and so having a team has been like reliable. Right. And I think there's things that I'm growing in as a leader as like, that's a new thing that we've been doing this last year is having a team. Like we've had our industry comes from a very uh, freelance industry. So yep. I think like people being internal is a different shift. So, and we've had like interns that were part-time and then um, different roles and different things. So we're figuring it out in a positive way. At least I am on like how to structure a team to fit our needs, to fit our demands and trial by fire. Yeah, I hear you. And that's really the only way too is through. Um, so uh, when you went and you you started bringing on staff members, how'd you manage the cash flow? Because I think that's always a, a very big concern that comes up when uh, business owners start talking about uh, hiring people. That's a cost and yeah. uh, it's going to be there pretty much regardless. Well, I mean, for us, it, we I got to a point... Let me say it in two ways, like talking about cash flow, yes. Um, but also like with my wife, like just looking at her looking at me and being like, Kyle, something has to change or like our life is going in a, the wrong direction. In a wrong direction, not like divorce or anything like wild. Like that's never on but the table. But it's just, it, it, you know, our relationship is uh, basically yeah, taking she's a back like, seat. When you're scale. here, you're not here. That's what yeah, she you're said. Yeah, you're like, not checked in. You're busy doing work stuff. And so you're present in the room, but you're not physically present with her. Oh, yeah. And so... Um, I think to me, there wasn't another option because I first, let me just start here. Like I love my wife and so I will do anything to protect that relationship. So there wasn't another option. Like I had to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the money didn't matter at that point. It's really, it forces you to focus on where you give your time, how much time you actually have in a day. And when you need, when you know that you need to get things to a state where it can be wrapped up and you could pick it up again on a different day when the sun comes up, because there's a start and a stop, but there's never an end. And for a lot of business owners, especially when you're starting for the first time, you're just thinking, oh, I have all this stuff to do. You're just in a yes mode. Yes, 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 yes. And you're thinking that I just got to do the hustle and the shuffle to get to where I want to be. And that's the case sometimes, but by no means is that the case all the time. Yeah. And actually, the further you can get away from that mindset, more likely the better off you're going to be. Totally. And so on the money side, there's a, it's actually kind of interesting because like our industry as a whole, I would argue, is pretty expensive. Yep. Um, and so what I mean by that is like the average ticket price is high. Yeah, and people's day rates. So, like, everything works in a day rate for us. So, if I'm to rent a camera or if I'm even to say, hey, Alan Curtis, can you be on set with me for this day? There, there's a day rate attached to that. And so, it actually was kind of unique in the way that, like, if I'm to give somebody a salary, in some ways, I'm saving money. Right. And because so, you're you're fronting that money to give them the consistent pay and you're making up for it over time. And that sort of gets into the next question 
that I have, you know, which is the client acquisition. So obviously you do that now instead of just doing day rates here and there, you obviously have to feed, you know, feed the machine, feed the hopper. So how have you gone about making sure you have enough workload um, to fulfill that, uh, uh, you know, overhead that you have with staff? Yeah, I think this is a new, so like, whereas I would say last year, like our, our pain point slash like our, the thing that I had to figure out as a whole was staff. Like, how do I have like a full-time staff? And we all have always had clients who have like consistent work and super grateful for them. They're amazing. Um, and now we're stepping into this season of like, now that I have more time, like how can we step into some new, like how do we get new clients? You know? Right. You talked with me about that last time we were here. Yeah. Shooting a video. And so I think for me, it's like, okay, we've operated at say like level, we're like level one, level two. How do we, like, I feel like, our company is positioned in a way to be able to operate a high, at a higher level or expand our reach into like say other states or uh, other areas you know how, so it's like i think that's the biggest question when you're talking about client acquisition it's like less of like i don't know you how do i get to know you and how do i create your content for you um and so it's less of like client referral cuz we've get a lot of clients that way yep. and more of how do we how do we expand? How do, how do yeah. we get, how do we get in front of our potential? And I don't audience? have that answer. And the irony yeah. is, you might need <laughs> so to become the, the agency at. to do that for your business, like because yeah. some of that agency work for how you would get your stuff in front of people is yeah. in alignment with what you need. Right Maybe there. that's something we could talk about. Maybe that's something we could you know team up on. I like, mean, we're we, on a, we're on a we, podcast right we now. We have talking. a whole <laughs> we have a whole team that can help you get in front of and disseminate that information in front of the right audiences, right? And you guys produce video content, which we need to, right? So maybe there's an opportunity to we can talk. To, to figure some stuff out here. But with that yeah. said... Shake and bake. Uh, shake and bake, baby. Ricky, Ricky Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> uh, twinning, that's what that was. Any uh, follow-up questions for us before we wrap up? I'd like to thank sweet baby Jesus. Powerade. <laughs> Sweet I'm baby. Infant Jesus. Tom Cruise, help me. <laughs> Most underrated Will Ferrell movie, go. Oh, the other guys. That's my favorite. Uh, Bye, Sheila. I'm not a big Will Ferrell fan. Step really? Brothers. Okay, what would you go? I mean, I've watched his stuff, but it's not. I'm more of an Adam Sandler guy. Elf. Really? You got to go, Elf. Elf. Yeah. elf is a good one. Curtis the Elf, what's your favorite color? It's Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color? See, he knew. Yeah, Adam Sandler. <laughs> I even go I go Vince Vaughn even above Will Ferrell. I like Vince Vaughn. Yeah. yeah. I don't Wed think Wedding Crashers is epic. Honestly, I think John, you don't get it. It's just stage four <laughs> cleaner. Let's get out. Right now. Like, have you seen Four Christmases? Yes. yes. See, like, to be honest, like I think that's up there absolutely hilarious my wife thought that, that was like over the top and i thought it was hilarious oh my right gosh. where they're like pretending that they're on vacation to avoid their family the whole time <laughs> <laughs> and then every time he gets interviewed he's just like uh, 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 yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> and every time they try to hide then he gets interviewed and they see him on camera that's cool yeah. but with that said thank you very much for listening to or watching this episode of the wacky tech podcast uh, if you would like to like, subscribe, or anything like that, you know what to do. For Kyle's business, which and, you can find at. And for Kyle's business, KWB Creative, you can find him at? Uh, our website, kwcreative.com. 
or you can go uh, on Instagram. Is it KW Creative? KWB Creative. Oh, oh yep. Oh. I was going to say, because we've been saying it wrong the whole time. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I like have like a weird slur that like... Uh, Wooba. Well, yeah, exactly. Wooba. KWB. <laughs> yeah. And on Instagram, are you pretty active on Instagram? We are. We are. And what's your Instagram handle? Uh, KWB Creative. Perfect. Yeah, and they've got a three ventures short. Hopefully, they'll have some Whack Attack podcast shorts on there too, so you guys can see some of the polished product. And other than that, enjoy the rest of your day. See you next week. <laughs>